Kia Koto and welcome to this week's episode of Let's Get Sexual. I am Alicia and I'm the host of this sexually explorative podcast. All right, everyone. I said I was going to do it. I said I was going to give you some Alicia goodness during your midweek life and I finally got around to doing one. Late last night, around 11pm, I got the urge to ruminate on how far I've come in relationships. So the relationships that I have been in over the last few years, and I'm referring to romantic relationships predominantly, how I turned up in relationships over the last 15 years and how that has grown and the change in the type of person I now attract in romantic relationships. And I realized this was quite a journey and I was quite happy when I ruminated on this journey because I realized I've gone through a relationship glow up. And I wonder how many of us have given ourselves the time to reflect on how far we've come in relationships, how much we've worked on our patterning, how better we are at communicating, how we have brought people into our lives who are healthier and more loving for us. And the reality is not all of us have had this. It's a privilege to be in a loving and healthy relationship. And it is an ongoing journey for all of us just because you might be in a type of relationship like this. It doesn't mean it won't continue without work. And for those of us who are still in relationships which might not be so healthy or we're single and we are not sure what type of relationship we get into or we're not sure if we want to get into a relationship or we do want to get into a relationship, but have yet to find somebody who matches our wants and who feels the same way about us, I think at any point of our lives, it's really important to do this reflection because it also indicates where you want to grow. So just because I've reflected on how good my romantic relationships are now compared to in my past, through the reflection, I identified where some of my behavioral patterns are still turning up that I want to change. And I think reflection and taking responsibility for your current attitudes and behaviors is always a really important task to do. So I was up till 2am last night recording this and editing it because it just felt like something I wanted to get out and share. And I'm not sure if it will resonate with all of you and that's okay. However, I think it is important to just continue to share our stories and it will land and resonate with those who need it in their lives. Potentially you're aromantic and don't want a romantic relationship that's okay. You can also reflect on other types of relationships in your life, such as friendships, familial relationships, sexual relationships, or colleague relationships, wherever you have a connection with other human beings. So this isn't limited, but I do really invite you all to reflect on this, celebrate any wins you might have, and be kind to yourself if you identify spaces that you still want to grow and change in. I share a few of the key romantic relationships that I have had in my life life and I provide some information around them and if you've listened to this podcast from the start you might know a little bit about some of these relationships however I go into more detail and identify 
what I took out of these relationships and how they impacted me and the type of person that I had attracted into my life. The important thing to note is that relationship glow-ups don't have to be between relationships. They can be in the same relationship. You might be with one person and throughout that relationship, you continue to grow and improve And that is a glow up. So even in my relationship now that I have been in for 15 months, who I was at the beginning and who I am now and the connection I have with my partner is very different because we have been actively working to strengthen and grow our relationship as a team. Whatever your relationship looks like now, you can do this. You can reflect and you can look at the nuance of how far you've got together. You can look at how much growth you've had between relationships. So what one relationship looked like compared to another. You can reflect on how you grew through all of this. Remember, our life isn't just about jumping from one romantic relationship to the next. That's not what I am supporting here. It's more that when we do choose to get into romantic relationships, how are we taking ourselves as an individual? That self-growth is not mutually exclusive to the growth you go through in relationships. Who you are as a person is central. And the respect you hold for yourself as a person, the worth that you give yourself and the value you know you have intrinsically will affect how you show up in your romantic relationships. And that is key to my relationship glow up. Going from almost no worth 10 years ago in romantic relationships to now recognizing that I don't need to fight to be loved. I don't need to prove my worth is huge. Please note that I'm not saying that it is necessary to be in romantic relationships, more that I am recognizing the importance of reflecting on our growth over the years and how this can impact our romantic relationships that we have. If you want to reach out to me sharing any of your thoughts or if you have any questions or just want somebody to hear your story, please reach out to me. I'm always keen to chat to you all. My Instagram handle is in the show notes and you can send me a DM. Happy listening, everyone. Can we talk about the relationship glow up? I always see glow ups of people who overplucked their eyebrows in their teens and have now regrown them or now tattooed them on or people who no longer wear bright blue eyeshadow. The way we look... 10 years into the future can be amazing. But one space where so many of us have probably glowed up is in our relationships. And I can put both hands up to the sky and say, this was me. And what I mean by a relationship glow up is that the relationships we were having in our lives 10, 20, 30 years ago are no longer the type of relationships that we allow into our lives now. They're not the type of relationships we attract into our lives now. They're not the relationships that we cultivate in our lives. It makes me laugh because if I think about the relationships I had 5, 10, 15 years ago, they were incredibly different to the relationships I have now. And relationship glow-ups can be 
in friendships, familial relationships, sexual relationships, romantic relationships, and we could go into each one of them. I think for me, the biggest glow up has been in my romantic relationships, but I can honestly say that all of my relationship types have improved. From my family, who 10 years ago, I did not hold as much space for, and I approached a lot of my familial relationships with quite a selfish mindset and really held on to a lot of past expectations, stories, and events that really were affecting my individual relationships with family members. And often in our families, we have stories around who we are in our family and how that fits into the other person's role in that family. And all of the stories other people have about us, the stories we have about ourselves, the stories about where we fit into our families can really impact the way that we relate in our family and the way we relate to our family members. And I'm incredibly privileged Compared to many, I have a wonderful family. I have incredibly supportive siblings and supportive parents. But every family has its issues. And it has taken me a while to work through those limitations that I've had in these relationships and my own understanding of myself and my family. And it's an ongoing journey. I definitely haven't nailed it, but I am more aware of it all now. And I think awareness is the start. Awareness helps you to take responsibility as well, because although I would like to pass off the responsibility to a lot of my family members, the fact is that. I might not have had full control over the roles that were created for me growing up, but I have full control now over how I want to turn up in my family and how I want to turn up in my daily life. And I think when we give over that responsibility to other people, we give over our agency and we ignore the power we have over our own lives. We give over the understanding that we really are in control of many parts of our lives. We might not be able to control how other people act or behave, but we can control how we act and behave. We can control changing our attitudes. We can lean into our value systems. And I think with families, a lot of people can realize that you don't have to keep your family around. If they're toxic, if they don't bring you joy, if you don't want to have relationships with them, that is your prerogative. You can put boundaries in place into the type of relationships you want. And you can put boundaries in place if you don't want to see people anymore. What I think is important here is that there is a lot of self-responsibility. And I call it radical responsibility. Uh, That's what I got from Anna Squelch's course that I took early last year, that radical self-responsibility. And it is a theme that continues in my life and I often remind myself of if I'm feeling upset or frustrated disappointed I'm like what can I control here and how do I take radical self-responsibility for it so relationships that is one area that we can impact a lot and I look at my romantic relationships and how Yes, have they changed. Anybody who knows me or has been part of my life for the last 10 or 15 years knows all of the stuff I've been through, knows that where I am currently was not even an option that I considered for myself. The type of life I'm living right now 
was not something that I thought was possible for me. And I want to take you a bit on the journey that I've been through over the last 10 or 15 years. One, because I feel like I need to do it. I feel like I want to do it. I feel like I want to recognize the growth that I've been through. I always say sharing our stories enables each other to recognize how important each of our stories is, opens us up to sharing our stories with each other, being vulnerable, realizing it's okay that life is messy and doesn't look one way. If you're interested, continue to listen. At the age of 15, I got into my first relationship and I wasn't actually allowed to date at the time. My parents had a rule that we couldn't date up until the age of 16 and we hated this rule. We thought it was ridiculous and my elder sister did not listen to this rule. We really thought it was a cage. I look back now and I realize it was freedom because there was a lot of pressure growing up to have a boyfriend, to get into a relationship. And I do remember being asked out on a few dates before 15 and many of them I didn't want to go on. They were often from people that I didn't have an interest in. And it was actually quite an easy out being like, I'm sorry, but my parents don't allow me to date. And they might kick up a fuss, but I'd be like, I'm sorry, I can't change their mind. And it allowed me to not fall victim to the pressure that particularly young women go through in terms of, oh, but he asked you out. Oh, you have to say yes. Imagine how hard that must have been for him. All these excuses that come up in our environment in terms of how big a deal it was for this person to ask you on a date and how bad it would be to reject them, how your responsibility was for their reactions. That is a very difficult message to unlearn. We are responsible for ourselves. That is the message we need to learn. And that is the message growing up that I really wish boys learned, that their actions are their responsibilities, not the responsibilities of the girls they grow up with. Because I have had too many in my life Blame me for the way they feel. Blame me for the fact that I don't want to have the type of relationship with them that they think they deserve. And actually, my parents probably did us a service, providing us this freedom and opportunity to say no. Because when we really wanted to say yes, we did. I was still 15, so I made it close to the 16 cutoff. But I felt like I had agency to say yes, because this is something I really wanted. And I was willing to go against the rules in order to do it. Whereas when it was something I didn't want, I had complete freedom and agency to say, I don't want this because I was protected by this boundary that my parents had put around me. And it might not work for everybody, but I feel like looking back that it actually really worked for me. Although I might not have thought it at the time, like so many of the lessons that we had growing up. So my first relationship, it's so bizarre to look back at the relationship. It went for five years of my life. So we were together from 15 up until I was 20. Yeah, I was turning 21 that year. And... That is a relationship that covered formative years for me. And I can't really remember it. I know that sounds horrendous and horrid, but I can't. It was a really nice relationship. My first boyfriend was incredibly different from me. He was somebody who was really practical, great with cars, really had the street smarts, whereas I was intellectually intelligent and I loved reading books and I probably wasn't that street smart. And 
so we were really a pairing of opposites. We had a really beautiful relationship. I remember the first time we had sex and his king single and I was like, that was weird. It was fine, but it wasn't amazing. Nothing to write home about. Although I do remember the dry humping being incredible. There's nothing like the hormones of a 16 or 17 year old. Everything is just turned you on everything got that sexual accelerator going it was a lot of fun those young relationships are a lot of fun they're very dramatic we had a lot of fights i think there were a couple of random breakups in there but overall it was incredibly fun it got less fun as we got older we moved out pretty soon after turning 18 so he'd left school at 16 and was working full-time and i'd finished high school i was going to take a gap year from university and i worked at an accounting firm during that gap year so we moved into our own place and i think if i'm honest with myself from the time we moved in together, it was a steady downhill slope, really. We were both at different stages of what we wanted in our lives. We were growing apart. I just remember becoming a version of myself that I didn't like because I felt like I had to pull all the weight around the place. I would go to uni all day and then I'd go and work at Pack and Save until 10 or 11 p.m. And then I would come home and the dishes weren't done or there was no dinner cooked for me or the house was a mess and he was playing his video games. And it was just really difficult for a 19-year-old. It's not that he never did that stuff, but I did not feel supported. And I remember that lack of support made me turn inwards I didn't have the tools then. I didn't know how to communicate properly. I felt very alone and the rift just grew bigger and we were very different. We wanted very different things in our lives and he didn't want to travel. He did not like planes and I was (laughs) of the opinion that most of my life would be spent traveling. So already that was an indication that at some point we were going to diverge. But The culmination of that relationship was interesting. I remember it so clearly. Although I don't remember the relationship clearly, I remember the day I left. I was watching this movie going, why is it so common that we stay in relationships we're not happy in? Why is the fear of the unknown worse than the fear of the known? Why would I rather stay in a relationship where I'm not happy than potentially move into a space where there's an opportunity to feel joy and more happiness regularly? I realized I'd been kidding myself. That I didn't want a life of, oh, this is fine and this is okay. I wanted a life of joy and opportunity and relationships that lit me on fire. I didn't want to be that person who expected my partner to be somebody they weren't. I called out to my partner, are you happy in this relationship? And he comes in and he goes, oh my gosh, not this again. Yes, I'm happy. And he looks at me and the instant recognition on his face that this might not be similar to other times we've had this conversation. And he goes, why? And I looked at him and I said, I'm not. And he was crying and it was horrendous. Intellectually, I could recognize it was horrendous, but emotionally, I was quite numb. I disassociated. But I also felt really right. This felt right. This decision to leave felt like I'd been putting this off for at least a year. Our relationship was not what it was. We were holding each other to the people we used to be, not the people we were or the people we wanted to become. And I felt so empowered in that state. I called my best friend and her mum came and picked me up and that was it. And I think the reason I hadn't left for a year was because it's difficult when you live with somebody. 
We'd bought all this furniture together. We'd created a life together. It was going to be messy to try to separate anything. But when I left, I realized we create stories of how difficult it's going to be. It's not that it's not difficult to leave somebody. It's not that it's not difficult to do all the admin work. But you'll be okay. Like anything, you do have the capacity and the tools and you are capable of doing it. Once again, the fear of the unknown outweighing the fear of the known. We create so many excuses for why we can't have the life we want. We're standing in our own way. And when it got down to the crunch, when I realized this is it, are you going to stay in this life where you're both unhappy or are you going to go and get the life that you deserve? And so I had to make that decision. And I was young, but it's a lesson I I take up to this day and I will take throughout my life is that you do need to make difficult choices. And once you make those difficult choices, life on the other side is usually a lot better. That relationship taught me a lot about the type of person I don't want to be in a relationship. I don't want to have to beg somebody for the respect of picking up your shit around the house. I don't want to get into a state where I don't feel joy on a regular enough basis. I also want to play into my relationships like I had early on in that relationship. There are good and bad things and he loved me and I loved him and it was really pure in that way and young love really is and I think there are things we can take from our initial relationships and hopefully there are good things we can take from them and incorporate into our future ones. The sad thing is it was not uphill from there. Oh, and I think I really thought I was missing out when I was with him in terms of I was, you know, 15 to 21. I was like, oh my God, yes, there are all these experiences I'm missing out on. I haven't slept with another person because he was my first. I've only slept with this one person. I really appreciate now what I had and I wish I could go back and tell myself how much to appreciate it. I realize now how lucky we both were to have a respectful sexual relationship together. However, that was not to last. It wasn't long after that relationship that I got into a pretty disastrous relationship, to be honest. This relationship with this new person lasted a total of eight years and it was not ongoing. There were big gaps and small gaps in there. It was a toxic, turbulent relationship, but it taught me a lot. It taught me a lot about myself. It taught me a lot about my growth spaces, but it also fucked me up. I fell incredibly hard for this person. I mean, our initial time together, I felt not like myself. It was a weird situation to go from a relationship where I felt like I had control and I felt like I knew what we were to each other and I knew what to expect of a person to go to another relationship where I was obviously with a guy who had so much more experience with me. I mean, he'd slept with at least 50 people by the time him and I slept together and I had to sleep with one prior to him. So I always felt out of my depth. I felt like I had to be a certain person. I felt like I had to be really nonchalant and, oh, we're just fuck buddies and this doesn't matter and I'm just not going to get attached. But I was kidding myself. I was in fucking love. It didn't take me long. I fell really hard for this guy. And I know, looking back, that he was growing feelings for me. And he said some really beautiful things. And when he said them to me, I couldn't accept it. It was weird. I couldn't accept his interest in me. I could accept his desire. But part of me was so scared of opening up and being like, this guy could really appreciate me for me. So I used sex as a wall. It was a way I could keep him in my life. 
but I was scared of him going past sex. And what it meant is because I wasn't turning up authentically, because I wasn't integrated, because I didn't listen to my body, because I didn't listen to my needs and my emotional self, the sex was not always great. There was some amazing sex. I'm not going to lie. I taught him a fucking lot. I've realized it's is it's the people who've been in long-term relationships who are usually the best in bed. However, I look back and how he talked about women, it was usually in a really sexual way. Like most of their worth came from sex. I felt like if I wasn't very sexual, he'd lose interest in me. And a lot of these were stories I told myself. I wouldn't say it was forced onto me. That would be unfair. He didn't force me to be that person. However, when I turned up authentically, I was often shut down. I was often made to feel stupid or silly or not enough. And I know I'm responsible for my feelings, but somebody who undervalues you, somebody who highlights lots of other people's strengths and doesn't your own, who basically only highlights your values in terms of your looks and sex. That's what you're going to end up relying on. If you love them, You go, okay, they love my sex and they love my body, so I'm going to lead with that. They obviously don't think I'm intelligent. They don't think I'm funny. They don't see all these other attributes that I have, so I'm going to hide those. I'm going to be self-deprecating. I'm going to get rid of those and I'm going to lead with what obviously works. And I don't think I realized at the time how much I was instilling that messaging in myself. And that messaging lasted for a long time and it still plagues me to this day. It was an on-off-again relationship. It was a lot of empty promises, a lot of lying to me, a lot of telling me he cared only to sleep with me and leave again the next day. We had some good times every now and then throughout the years. There was this one period where he actually ended up telling me he loved me, although I think he was able to do it because he knew I was leaving for a year. And so I hold on to those bits and go, we did have some great times. We had some really open and honest conversations. We were very vulnerable with each other at times. I really loved him as a person. I think that's why you stick around a lot because you think that you can change them. You think it will change. You think they've changed. Over eight years, you think I'd probably learn, but I always held out hope that he'd see me and I held out hope that he would change like he said he was going to over and over. I love to kid myself because if I didn't kid myself, then I would have to come to the realization that I either didn't respect myself or that I would have to let this go. And I did not want to let that relationship go, no matter how toxic. It was worse to me the idea of him not being in my life than the idea of him being in my life and how shit that was. So once again, the fear of the unknown outweighing the fear of the known. And it was too difficult for me to really take stock and go, you are disrespecting yourself right now. If you continue to do this, you will cause a rift in yourself. I didn't want to look at those two possibilities. I wanted to just coast. And so I put up all these walls. I I kidded myself. I drank a lot. I partied a lot more than usual. I just got into a really bad habit of not learning to listen to myself. And so the years passed and this continued. I really thought at so many points that no, I'm different now. I wouldn't take him back. He can say what he wants. There are so many journal entries of me crying my eyes out, really being like, how does this person not see me? How does this person not appreciate me? How can I help this person see who I am? When really all I needed to be was like, you see who you are. You have value, you're worthy. And anybody who can't see that is not 
worthy of being in your life. A few years ago, I came back from living overseas and we met up again and it was everything I thought it was going to be. He told me how much he cared about me, how much he missed me, how much we had this incredible connection. And maybe this was something that we actually needed to pursue. Maybe this was the real thing. And when he said those words, I acted super nonchalant, whatever. But fuck, man, inside of me, I was screaming with joy. I had been waiting for years to have him say this. I'd been waiting so long to have him tell me that he'd seen me, that he wanted me, that he was going to find a space in his life to prioritize me. And the cycle began again. I thought I'd go through all this growth overseas. Instantly, I come back. He says a few words and I'm back in that cycle. And I hated myself that I hated myself that I got back in that cycle. And this is the thing. Through this eight years, I learned to hate him. But overall, I hated myself because I was actively going back. Because I just wanted to be loved. I just wanted to be loved. And this new cycle lasted for about a year on and off. And I must have learned some things over those years. I must have reached the end of my tether. Because although I did go back, the excuses that he provided were starting to sound hollow. The cycle was starting to feel old. I kept looking at him and going, are you the same person you were eight years ago? Have you grown at all? And I started to feel pity. What are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your relationships? Who the fuck are you? And I can tell you something. It is really difficult to feel attracted to somebody that you pity. And that pity was a seed at first. I still couldn't imagine not having him in my life. I still thought at some point this would work out. But that seed was planted deeply. And every time I saw him, every time he said something stupid, I realized how many stupid things he said. I spent so long trying to prove my intelligence to this guy, to try to prove my worth. And when suddenly I took stock of our conversations, I realized... Why do I look up to you? Why do I think you have this intellectual superiority that I can't reach? And it was all a facade. I suddenly saw his insecurities. I couldn't help but feel pity that he wasn't taking responsibility for his life. That he blamed everybody else for all the issues he was going through. Like I said, that seed was planted and it just grew and it grew and it grew. And we got to this one stage where we went for a walk and... He did a sneaky thing where he was like, oh, I just want to see this house you bought. You said you'd done it up. Let's have a look. And I knew as soon as we got into that house, he just wanted to see. He would often say, no, no, no. I just want to have a talk. I haven't seen you in ages. Like, let's reconnect. He did not give a fuck about me as a person. He just knew that I would not say no. That's what would often happen. But this time I was like, I don't want him in my house. I don't want sex with him. I can't imagine anything I don't want more. And I remember saying to him, no, we're not going to my house. We're not having sex. And he was like, oh, but I know you love to fuck. And this is the thing. A whole relationship. He just saw me as this incredibly sexual person who loved to fuck. He would often say to me, oh, I bet you just want to fuck so many people. Or I bet you just want men to line up and fuck you. He would often put me in this narrow box of being a hypersexualized creature. And looking back at it now, I can't help but think if it was a way for him to remove himself from the responsibility of his actions as though, oh, I know I've treated her like shit over the last eight years, but she loves sex, so at least she's getting that from me. I'm not really sure. I don't want to psychoanalyze it too much, but it was bizarre, his fetishization of me and my sexuality. 
And I do think it was a coping mechanism for him in some way. And it definitely impacted how I saw myself in relationships. I saw my value as being sexual. And although I am a very sexual person, that is a tiny part of my whole. It is not the be all end all of me. And it has taken a while to get to a state where I don't have to lead with sex, where I don't have to just find value in my sexual prowess. And that has been one of the biggest glow-ups. In my relationship now, sex is just one of the things I bring to this relationship. We have a great sex life, and I love sex with my partner, but he values me for so much more than that. And I didn't realize how much I was missing that, how much I longed for that, how much I longed for somebody to see me as a multifaceted person with all these desires and passions and qualities that aren't always perfect, but are very human. You recognize the importance of being appreciated for being a multifaceted. So when he said that, when he was like, yeah, but you want to fuck. And I turned to him and I said, yeah, I do. Just not with you. And I felt fucking good. God, I felt so good saying that. It wasn't like I'd waited to say it. It was just that as soon as he said that, I was like, yeah, I do, but I do not want it with you. He just turned off. And it wasn't in the way of, oh, I feel rejected. He was like, oh, you're no longer a sexual opportunity for me. Your value has gone in my life. Instantly, I saw him shut down. There's no point in having you. Eight years. And eight years of not just sex, people, okay? There were so many conversations in this. There were hearts being opened. There was so much back and forth. We knew each other. We knew each other's shit. Eight years. And I said, I don't want to fuck you. And he was like, you've got no more value in my life. That's how much I meant to him. That was an awesome night because it was really like the door fully fucking slammed. And after that day, the, the understanding of the situation, I could suddenly see it clearly. Like I'd kidded myself for eight years, but I could suddenly see it clearly. Interesting how that happens. Interesting how that changes. I don't know whether years before if I could have seen it. I don't know if I could have forced myself to see it. Sometimes you have to go through the journey you went through to become the person you're going to be. Through my relationship with him, I'd had various different short relationships. I don't think anything longer than three or four months. And I realized throughout all of these relationships, my relationship with him affected it. Like I couldn't give myself to somebody fully. And because I'd learned all of these behaviors, that meant that I couldn't actually tap into my needs, that I couldn't tap into my wants. I couldn't tap into my self-respect. I often had relationships where people just took me for granted or people didn't respect me or people led me on or people made promises they couldn't keep or they lied to me. I had a couple of really amazing guys throughout those years. Such good people with good hearts. We just weren't right for each other. But they were the shining lights throughout all that time because I'm not going to lie to you, 70 to 80% of the men I came across were just goddamn liars. Men who needed to really check their shit, check their manipulation, check their narcissism. I was dating men in their 30s who could not communicate, could not communicate their desires for a relationship, could not communicate the boundaries for a relationship. They would just lie. There are so many people out there who manipulate and who can't be honest with themselves. It's not that I'm not that person either. I've definitely done it before, but oh man, I got sick of that game fast. 
But a couple of years ago, I started work on myself. I started going, what do I want from a relationship? And I kidded myself for a long time that I didn't want a relationship, that I was quite happy just having sex with people. But to be honest, I was scared. I was fucking scared to fall in love with another person. I was fucking scared to give myself to another person. I was scared of letting go. I was scared of being authentic. Who the fuck even was I? Eight years I've allowed somebody to disrespect me. I've got no worth. <laughs> what even do I have to give to a relationship? If I would give all this sex to a guy and I could accept all of his bullshit and he couldn't find me worthy of a relationship, how the fuck was I going to find somebody who actually found me worthy? The issue was is that I didn't see my own worth. The issue was that I didn't have self-love or self-acceptance or self-respect. So I had to build that. It hadn't all gone. From a child, really little, really young, we don't double-guess ourselves. We know our worth. Over time, society, families, communities, relationships erode that, can really push it down, make it difficult for us to find within ourselves. But we have it. And so I had to find those parts of me and I had to cultivate them. I had to uproot all of those messages, lessons, destructive patterns that I had adopted, get rid of them and allow that space to be taken over by my self-love and self-acceptance. When I look back, it made it easy for that pity seed to be planted because there was space in my garden now. There's space to plant a new seed, to start a new story, to be like, mm, okay, I'm seeing it for what it is now. And if I hadn't done that work, I probably couldn't have left that toxic relationship. I'd be sitting on the sidelines waiting for him to recognize me and he never would because I couldn't even recognize myself. And I remember writing a list of who I wanted in my life. If I could have the relationship that I longed for, that brought me joy, that lit me up, what would it look like? What would it feel like? How would I be? How would I turn up? And I wrote that person. I wrote what I needed in that person. And I can't remember how long, I think it was a year later, he turned up. He turned up in my life. So this was 15 months ago. 15 months ago that I found the person who fit the list of the person that I wanted in my life. And the fact that he's here, the fact that he's in my life right now, it's bizarre. It's so fucking beautiful. It's so fucking beautiful. I did not think that I was worthy of this relationship. I did not think I was worthy of this love. But I fucking am. I'm fucking worthy of all the love he gives me. And it's this incredibly mutually beneficial and loving relationship. And it's not perfect. I didn't fix myself before I got into this relationship. There's no such thing. We're always working on ourselves. And we don't have to be fixed to get into a relationship. In fact, most of my learning is happening in this relationship. I thought I'd done the work before I got into it. I was like, fuck yeah. I know my triggers. I know my trauma. I know all these things. And I get into this relationship and I go, oh, hell. I forgot about these ones. Oh my gosh. Why is this patterning coming back? Oh my gosh. Why does that trigger me? And it is making me level up all the fucking time. It is putting a mirror in my face every day going, hey, this is the person you are. Is this the person you choose to be? And the loving relationship is the one you can grow in. It's not that it allows you to be harmful. It's not that it allows you to be abusive or toxic. You know, we can have some behaviors that are toxic. It's a natural thing to turn up in relationships and have some behaviors that are toxic. But it is also about being willing to recognize those behaviors, know that they are not acceptable, and work on changing them. Once again, that radical self-responsibility. The relationship I'm in now, 
is an adult relationship. That's what I call it. And really, it's got nothing to do with being an adult. It's got to do with recognizing your worth and seeing the worth of another person. And I lost myself in previous relationships. I poured my love into them because I was hoping by doing that, I'd find my worth. The thing is, though, the relationship in now, we are two individuals in a relationship. We fill our own cups. When I'm feeling angsty, when I'm feeling down, I go and take space for myself and I go and fill my own cup. I also ask for it when I need it from him. Can I please have a hug? Can you cuddle me for a few minutes? Can we do this together? And he might not have the capacity and he can say no. But I take responsibility to find what I need and ask for it. It's about recognizing our own needs and being able to fulfill them. And I'm not seeking for him to complete me. He can't complete me and I can't complete him. And I find all of his differences, some of them are infuriating, but most of them, it's you are your own individual. And I love that. I love that. I love that we come together and that we're a unit. We're a team now. It took us time to get to a team state, to realize we're we're here for each other. It can take a long time to get to that in a relationship. But once we realize we're a team, we're dedicated. Things aren't easy, but they're not as hard. Since my first relationships, I have not been able to be silly with somebody in a romantic relationship. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? I could not be silly because silliness to me was my most authentic self. It was incredibly vulnerable. If somebody shut me down when I was being silly or playful, that was it. I had to be a certain person. I had to be something that I thought that they wanted. And I thought that was like a put together sexual fucking siren who was kicking it in the business world and all that crap. My partner has cultivated a space where his silliness has enabled my silliness. I I have accepted my silliness. I have stepped into it. And this relationship has taught me most that I am responsible for my actions. There are so many actions and behaviors that I want to work on because I have learned a lot of behaviors over familial relationships, romantic and sexual relationships that I want to unlearn in order to be the best person I can be and it order to be the best partner I can be and in order to be the best person in the lives of those I care about and to give back to my community. So I want to work on these habits and I want to work on these behaviors and to be in a relationship which creates a loving space to do that, one that holds me accountable. We're not sitting here and being like, oh, all your bad behaviors, they're okay. No, a relationship that is loving holds you accountable. It helps you step into that self-responsibility. An important lesson is that you're responsible for your 50%. It's still one I'm having to consistently tell myself, particularly when I get into my hot and emotional state. But when you remind yourself that you are responsible for your actions, that you're responsible for your 50%, like you can't control what somebody else does You can't control your partner. And we often look at our partner and we often say, these are your issues. This is where you need to improve. But actually, have we taken charge of our 50%? Are we turning up the way we want to turn up? How can we expect somebody else to improve, somebody else to change, somebody else to reflect when we're not doing that ourselves? So that's an important lesson for us all to learn. My partner and I have an episode coming up in the podcast. It's going to be next Sunday, so not the one coming, but the next Sunday. 
and we discuss more of our relationship and the journey we've been on. We go on to talk more about our relationship in the podcast. And the most important thing is, is that I don't have to fight to prove my worth. I don't have to fight to get love. I am given love willingly. I do not have to figure out where he stands with me. I think that's the thing that so many of us don't realize when we're in a relationship or when we're trying to get into a relationship and we're in those initial stages with someone is that if somebody likes us, they will show us. If they are emotionally, mentally and physically ready to get into a relationship, they will show up like that. They will show up and tell you they like you. And we should be doing the same. If you like somebody, show up. Don't play games. And when you get into the stage that you both love each other, they shouldn't be taking it away constantly. It is not something that you have to prove your worth over and over and over for. I don't believe love is unconditional. I do believe that you can't just treat somebody how you want to treat them and still get love. However, I do believe in a loving relationship that you don't make somebody question your love in order to manipulate. And there are too many of us sitting here guessing somebody's feelings for us. And it's just not okay. I'm not going to sugarcoat it all. Our relationship isn't perfect. We're still going through our shit. But it is our willingness to turn up together as our vulnerable, authentic selves and allow a space for growth makes this different to any other relationship I've been in before. And that is what I would call a relationship glow up. For me, the biggest thing has been my worth in a relationship. It has been my taking responsibility for my actions. It has been recognizing my patterns of behaviors and allowing myself to turn up imperfectly in a relationship. Realizing I'm worthy of love, being willing to accept that love and to create a cycle of reciprocal love that is full of respect, compassion, and fun. I hope you enjoyed listening to this. I'd love to hear about your relationship glow up if you've got any. Please let me know. It's so important for us to share our stories. I'm really glad that you're on this journey with me. Fucking life, right? It's an incredible experience, but it is damn hard. And relationships are some of the hardest. We didn't grow up with tools on how to have a good relationship. We don't know how to always treat people. We don't know how to always communicate. And I'm still working on my communication. Often I don't know what to say. I don't know how to put my feelings into words. My emotions take over. So we have to realize that we're not going to be perfect at this to start with. We have to practice. If you want to get good at tennis, you have to practice tennis. If you want to have good relationships, you have to practice We can't hold ourselves to the standard that we think we're going to know everything. Most of us learn how to be in relationships. We learn how to communicate from our parents who often had difficulty communicating and being in healthy relationships themselves. We've got to be kind to ourselves, but we've also got to be willing to learn. We've got to be willing to grow and we've got to be willing to challenge ourselves and the people we love. So be willing to take stock of where you want to grow and go from there. Thank you for listening to this episode. It was actually really fun to record. Tune in to this Sunday's episode. You're going to love it. I have the incredible Tash from Talk Peach Gynecological Foundation. This woman is amazing. She started this foundation in order to build awareness and education around gynecological cancers. And she discusses her story with us and the vision that she has for gynecological awareness in Aotearoa. You'll want to tune into that. 
And next week, I hope to release a midweek episode on libido and what libido actually is, how it impacts us, and how we have agency over our libido. So keep an eye out for that and have a wonderful week. <laughs>